Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. First things first, we have a Cartoonist Kayfabe Patreon for all of you to uh, join. And there are three tiers there. It'll give you access to videos ahead of time. You can beat the kayfabe effect with that. It'll give you access to, depending on your tier level, possibly extra videos, including a very, um, the full shoot, uh, the full recording sessions. Um, so it also gives you a little more access to us. It's a chance for us to kind of have these conversations while we are recording. So check that out if it makes sense to you. And if you're not interested in Patreon, don't worry. We will still be posting daily videos. The cartoonist kayfabe experience will not change for you either way, but it's something that will help us grow this channel moving forward and hopefully allow us to do some exciting new things uh, going forward. Also want to remind everybody that we are working cartoonists and what you see here is our bibliography. The best way to support Cartoonist Kayfabe is to buy our books, Ed Piscor's Red Room, X-Men Grand Design, Hip Hop Family Tree, WYSIWYG, all available in print now. You can find some of my latest work, Hulk Grand Design, Street Angel, and The Plain Janes also out there. So add those to your shelves if you haven't already. Today, we are going to look at uh, one of the iconic European cartoonists, Milo Manera, coming in under Joe Quesada's regime at Marvel to do a one-shot that looks like it's absolutely tailored to Manera's strengths, X-Women, written by Chris Claremont from 2010. Kind of one of those fascinating, like, I, I'm surprised this book exists, really odd. And for Manera, you know, the only, uh, the only Marvel comics... Uh, comic book that he created so did a little cover work i heard yes. man but uh, <laughs> the, the bitch ass audience wasn't uh wasn't ready for it yeah i guess not um Minera at this point well today i think i think he's 76 now so he's been making comics for over 50 years out of italy and pretty much dedicated his work and output to beautiful women as he says and so that's what you're going to see showcased here today but I thought we'd just give a little bit more context for if anybody's unfamiliar with Minera he is European little bits have come through in English I think Dark Horse has been publishing I don't know about a complete catalog but certainly a library of his work over the last decade so there is some Minera on our shores but one of the places you may have seen him first Heavy Metal Magazine and in this case doing black and white line art. Um, he also does a lot of watercolor himself. So I usually think of his work in color, but you can see beautiful pen and ink work. And that's what we're gonna get in X-Women. Yeah, it's interesting, because like the, the example you show right here, this is a pretty raw, like kind of early looking effort, man, where he's, he's not fully solidified into his style, but clearly like one of the one of the, the key, like, you know, female uh, artists. And you could tell when he's using photos and when he ain't, uh, in in a, in a lot of ways, uh, but consummate drawer, you know, like I've read some Monera and as a reading experience, it's completely whatever. Like it's, it's not, you know, it's not going to be the next, uh, great, great novel or something, but the, the artwork is, is, uh, is pretty unassailable. And for whatever reason, this period of time, you know, he was, he was dabbling in, in the mainstream. He did that little bit for Marvel. I think he was one of the guys who, who did a piece in that Endless Nights, uh, or whatever it's called, um, the hardcover Sandman. Yep, that's right, with, with uh, Neil Gaiman. He's worked with Joe Dorosky, uh, being a writing partner. So he has worked with a, a number of different writers. Um, Hugo Pratt on Indian Summer, which is something that's been translated to English. 
Um, I used to know him because here is from Fanagraphics Eros Comics. Yeah, that's the one we all got. That's right, that's right. And you would see his stuff listed in some of these things, like maybe in an ad inside of the uh, Fanagraphics, inside of like a comics journal or something. They would list what's available from him. These are the shits, man, that I was talking about before. Yeah, I'd like to look at these. I've never seen these. Um, but you would always see like click or something, you know, like I would get catalogs that would include like European comics or adult comics and you would see his work in there and uh, at least a description of it. And it was always, you know, very adult in nature, uh, the stuff that I would see. But here he is adapting an unproduced Fellini movie. Yeah. So Fellini published this, this I guess, script whenever he decided he couldn't make the movie and... Um, Fellini's a comic head too, man. There's like reports oh, of him yeah. visiting the, the Marvel offices and getting free copies whenever he would come to the States. And, and Minera is a very, very respected artist and, uh, you know, it's a lot of stuff sexual in nature and it just doesn't have the taboo, you know, in Italy right. that, it, that it has in the puritanical United States. But this felt like a big get. Like whenever I was sure. thinking about talking of this, I was thinking like Mobius Silver Surfer. You know, and it's probably not on quite the level of Mobius, but it is on the level of like, this is a giant. This yeah. is a European giant in terms of comic art and illustration. And to get him to do some of the Marvel characters, it's a big get. Yes, but uh, they either they either weren't willing to shell out the coin to get him to do this level of color on the inside, or it was like a time issue where it's like they want the book out at a certain time and he just wouldn't be able to produce at that level. So shouts to Dave Stewart for like doing his best to try to color uh, in the computer and capture the uh, Monera style. Does it work? Does it not work? I'll leave it up to you. But he there had, are definitely places where I feel like he does a pretty good job. It's early um, on. You when, know, like like some of this stuff to me feels like he's clearly trying to do that that style. Yeah, because like what you're describing is there's no line there. And so Stewart has to have some anatomical knowledge. He can't just be a dude with a coloring with crayons, you know, coloring. All right, this is flesh tone. Like he's got to understand how the pelvis works and and uh, and all that sort of stuff. That that is not easy. Uh, there are pages where there 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 are definite flyers taken. Well, let's start at the beginning. We're in uh, Madripoor, Logan's old stomping grounds. Yeah, the girls are going there for a vacation. Like, like <laughs> they, they t one caption is talking about how it's such a piece of shit place where nothing but bad happens and piracy, and then the next caption is like, "Yeah, we're on vacation." There's a lot of of text in this story. It's Chris Claremont, and it makes me wonder if this is working Marvel style. And Claremont had some idea for a story, and then got the pages back and was like, "All right, I got." got some exposition i need to put in here but yeah there's a lot of uh i you know it's it's kind of a I, I don't know what the word is for the story there's not a lot of story to be honest no and yet there are a lot of words yeah yeah so true. our first bit is the ex-women attacking this group of you know military paramilitary guys and then we're going to start to go through flashbacks from there but this is what you're looking for right like just let Manera kind of cook and he's fascinating because like, you can tell where he's using photo ref and where where he isn't and there are times when he is where it's like like what is that you just wanted to draw the whole character but like not submerge her underwater she's just walking on water like so you'll get these things where it almost looks like color forms where uh it's it's two different angles of, of a female like you can tell he used photographs and it's two complete different hyper angles but he stitches them in there uh and turns it into his style but like I said, I think he uses a lot of photo 
for to to get his compositions and then he kind of turns the line into the Monera line but th there will be bits like this where he's clearly drawn in our main cast um i think it's consists of these five characters so you have storm psylocke rogue who they call anna i had no idea that was her name me neither man i, I was reading rogue. this and i was kind of like leafing through you know the first time through and i'm like anna is this a different storyline like what is this and no i think that's just her name and yeah they've updated the character she was she was only rogue and, and her her name was unknown on the back of those marvel mm. universe series 2 cards but uh, i guess they fleshed her out a little bit more and i think uh the actress who played her in the movies her name's anna paquin right i don't know yeah. i guess I was, um, I was throwing you a softball. I haven't seen too many of those movies. Uh, and then the other two are Kitty Pride and, and Rachel. So the story is Rachel gets kidnapped. And again, we are going to go into flashback. And the X-Women go there to rescue her. But things go wrong. And what goes wrong is they have a gun that nullifies their powers. This is pretty badass, man. When you're drawing the human figure and then you draw the bones on the inside, uh, that that's a cool thing. Yeah, probably not a photo reference for the for the skeleton, but never know some There's, artists have a skeleton in their studio there there is a specific skeleton that that everybody got from this like mr boney or something like that i forget exactly what his name was but uh jeff darrow was telling me about that thing hmm. um yeah I, I don't even know how to think of Minera in terms of other cartoonists like there'll be little moments where i'll be like oh yeah i see some frank quietly or this or that but kind of a a bit of a one-of-one -one. and then when you put him into like a superhero action thing it's really a strange marriage because it's a stretch like he he's he's not used to doing that stuff and we are used to the american idiom of like jack kirby bombast when it right. comes to fight sequences and stuff and and it's about like choosing the exact right moments and he just doesn't do that like he'll he'll give you the the moment of impact but not show like you know a face imploding upon a punch or something it's just like a moment of contact so it's not it doesn't have that bombast there's like an elegance there is it. And I think it centers around the idea that like he spent his whole life trying to figure out how to draw beautiful women. Yeah. And there's a sensuous quality to that, you know, in contrast to say like a Jim Lee or Mark Silvestri, who I think is known for drawing beautiful women, but also within the context of fight comics. Yeah. That's not where he's coming from. You know, like he's coming from a, a much more erotic background. So to then put the action part on top, you do end up with these kinds of moments throughout the book where yeah. it's just just kind of like sensuous body forms yeah and i mean it's just drawing like Stuart is doing all the rest of the work in in these kind of panels uh, i like stuff like this where you have this big space and the characters are kind of moving within this firestorm or whatever but like over he knows where to overlap the characters to create that depth i i think what a lot of people will do and, and we were critical of some earlier comics or works on this channel where the stuff will be spread out so far and it would be so oriented so that like nothing is touching and it just creates that super lack of depth. So he's, you know, smart with it. Yeah, very believable is like you're spiraling out of out of the picture. Our bad, uh, a, a glimpse of our villain, by the way, also a, uh, a sexy woman. Ilsa of she wolf of the SS, and, got and, the titties out. And I'll just say, you know, there is one more and that is uh, the White Queen is in here. Which is crazy because I thought that was the White yes, Queen. I'm like, okay, like okay, the White Queen is the villainess of this one. Okay, I'm getting it. I'm understanding it. I'm on board. Yeah, she's actually another, uh, another prisoner next to Rachel. So again, we'll unfold that as we go. But here's those tangled bodies again falling. And you know, you're right, I think about creating the depth by yeah. having some of that overlap and, and sort of making them a tangle. And that's where he's showing off that he does, you know, he has good knowledge on how to draw the body, man. So he's able to twist those chicks up in all sorts of pretzel like contortions. That's like quintessential Monero face right there. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. You can imagine that almost an orgasm, if not falling to your death. <laughs> uh stuff like this where he's like rolling these bodies around i feel like you're not getting your photo reference there and yet it's showing off like just how well he knows that form to be able to kind of bend that around and tumble it down a hillside yeah but then when you get stuff like this it's like you could pose that you know that's some up dog or some shit you know some yoga pose also like Monera being Monera, having them embrace and, <laughs> and, and, and to tangle them and, up and nearly what's the word trib tribble about to tribble and scissor I like this uh, page layout, though. You know, um, often whenever people go with these diagonals, we've seen Neil Adams become a little unreadable with that stuff. This, I think, works really well. You know, you have people rolling down a hill, so add some some uh, non-horizontal and vertical gutters, and uh, pretty easy to follow that along. Yeah, there's 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 good storytelling stuff within these pages uh, visually. Bits like this, like a good page like that. Once again, shouts to Dave Stewart for for trying to like do some kind of heavy lifting because like he also has to make decisions about like which Monero lines to recess, and 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 I think that that for for like a young uh, colorist, I think there must be some chilling effect there because who the fuck are you to alter the lines of this master, you know? But you have to kind of like grab that bull by the horn sometimes. I also think that artists don't always set up lines to naturally do that. This is a great example of that. To me, this page works really well with recessing those lines. Yeah. But, you know, if he had chosen to recess this foreground piece, that falls apart. Oh, it kills You know, it. so like, yeah, good move both places. But I do think that in some cases, you're also really set up well by those lines, by, by the compositions on Monero's part. You know, like clearly those figures are in the foreground and they pop because you recess those lines a little bit. And it makes sense. You know, it's water. Like no, no, no hard edges on that. It's background elements. Push it, push it into the background. Uh, I, you know, we don't, we don't collaborate with colorists, man, but it would make me fucking nuts, man. Having some colorists touch my shit like that in any way. It's like, if I want to recess it, I'll put, I'll use some like white zips or something to like, don't touch my fucking... I wonder how much uh, Monera and Dave Stewart work together. Like if pages were going back through Monera, because to me this looks pretty good. Like I, I don't, you know, I don't know whether he was happy with this or not, but I'm pretty happy with it, you know, as an audience member. You get that solid figure drawing, but like lots of detail where where it counts, and that and that's where you start to spot the quietly influence. And I'm not saying Monero influence quietly the other way around, but uh, you start to you start to see it. Yeah. So. Um, funny because this storyline begins in Greece and I think Madripoor is in the South Pacific. Is that, is you know, that this does is, that sound right? This is what I should read Wolverine every month. This is one of those I, reading experiences. I mean, it explains right where it is. It's like some, and, and it's clearly that th expositional thing where Chris Claremont like read an issue of National Geographic and heard about some maritime path from Singapore to Philippines or something. And it's like, okay, let's put an island there. Because the way he explains it is almost like it would be explained in a National Geographic. This story, by the way, is Rogue gets a villa. And so she's going to bring all of her friends out for a fun week of vacation. They got that Airbnb. Maybe retire from X-Men if this is what you've inherited. Well, it's just, uh, like I said, it's an Airbnb. This this issue, it's an extension of that two-issue Sylvestri run where they're, they're in Australia and then... There's the one issue where the chicks break off and they like go shopping and they go to like Chippendale dancers and, and like you get to see 
Mark Silvestri draw Patrick Swayze from Saturday Night Live? Like, is one of the characters? It's, it's the first appearance of Rogue. I mean, uh, the first appearance of Ju- Young Jubilee is, okay. it, it, you know, sneaks on board and becomes a part of the team. And then the next issue is actually uh, Rob Liefeld. It's that Liefeld issue. We did it. We did yeah. an episode on it where it's the bros are going to bars and getting in a bar fight or, or there's like aliens and stuff. So it's this is kind of a spiritual cousin to 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 that run. Those little one shots. Hey, do you think that Claremont wrote for Kitty Pride to like leap through a yacht on her uh, on her jet ski? Because that's a ridiculous drawing. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's whimsical. It's almost uh, Windsor McKay at a certain point, man. Like it's just pure whimsy. It's funny. You know, the other thing I thought reading through this is, if you bought this because you want to see Minara drawing X women, you got your money's worth. It's yeah. every page is loaded with it, and I always think that's something of a power move because sometimes you'll see those comics where it's like, oh, this guy likes drawing this superhero fill-in. And there'll be like two pages that have Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, Where it's yeah. like, come on, I want to see 20 pages of that. Yeah, it's a vehicle. Like, like in the same way that your Hulk comic is a Jim Rugg vehicle, the X-Men Grand Design is Eddie P vehicle. Like, every now and then, the big publishers will will hook a, a special project up with, with somebody to, to just, like, to do what they do. So those goons show up and they kidnap Rachel. Again, this is flashback sequence. This is how the whole story starts. And then uh, whenever they wake up, they are trying to figure out, like, what 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 do we do next? They've nullified our powers. They still have Rachel. And what are we going to do? I start to get the impression that, like, Heart of Darkness, Apocalypse Now is at least some kind of influence. It's not like they're on the hunt for, you know, Captain whatever his name is. But uh, you'll get bits like this. You'll get the skulls on the sticks that, that come up later. And it kind of reeks of... Uh, that kind of influence this is pretty neat we're having some kind of psychic experience here and as a result you're seeing like two scenes you know line work on top of another and i think that might be the first time you see emma frost yeah is uh that's when that's when you realize oh that blonde lady was it was not the uh the white queen you know at this point she's probably like a x-men for for 10 years and was in generation x before that so you know it's it's on me that i didn't see her as a villain or whatever or that i did see her as a villain and here come your skulls yeah we're starting to get muddy with the color like uh there's bits there's bits that that have the monera like i think that dave stewart probably sampled a, a monera palette over the course of like say maybe five or ten pieces and uh there are different ways to do that i remember one of the early tricks and i wonder if it's still done this way with a lot of people one of the early tricks was like you take a piece of art page of comics of something that you like and you make it like a go into photoshop make that page like a like a 10 pixel by 10 pixel square or something and then blow it up and then you have 10 big boxes of color that were like the main color used and then you finesse your palette that way take all the black out that might have been in like the weird skin that you have make it proper cmyk uh but that would be a way to steal the, the color palettes of your favorite creators. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's a part of the, the, the sauce. That's something that, that Stuart had to do. Because you, you see the, it's a computer color Miluminera palette. These bits here, like, it's like, okay, autograph projector or something. Because like, you could take the same, you could t- take the same tomahawk and almost copy paste, you know. Add a little different shading. 
How much does the color pop when you do get away from this like muted browns and grays? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a weird writing piece. Um, it's very inelegant in, in a way because almost exclusively the story is from the POV of the girls. And then you got the approach here. And then the only point of view of like anybody else you get are just these like two pilots for, for two panels and then explosion. I feel like you put more thought into that page in terms of orienting things. You, you get a better, you could come up with something better where you can remove those guys and just keep it consistent because it's jarring. You know, up to this point, you're with these girls exclusively until mm -hmm. you're like right in there. Yeah, again, the story's kind of, I don't know, neither here nor there. I don't know that anybody's going to look at this story as one of Claremont's best, but it's not really why anybody bought the book either. This is a fun piece, man, where you could imagine the picture plane and, and like the little grid for your perspectives and where he's like, putting putting the characters in, in perspective it's, you, you, you feel it all it feels real sound and then you introduce these new characters and they feel straight out of this is not an american comic you know like this they feel straight out of european tradition yeah definitely I'm trying to think if i have an example of of that and i don't really but you could probably find this in monera's catalog you know uh what are these like pirate characters you know that have hold up on this island and you can see what they have ransacked in the past and i don't know not to give away the plot but one of them is going to have that ability those helicopters that crashed was a result of of our guy here yeah <laughs> and maybe we have an audition for another ex-woman <laughs> yeah miss cordo maltese that's right so they put the ex-women the powerless ex-women to work on this island in this group and not very fun jobs that they have yeah. You know, feeding the pigs, taking care of the kids. Kitty Pride's still banged up from, from that first uh, attack. You think she's milking it, man, when she sees with, her, with the job that her friends are doing? You think she, she takes a little bit more of a powder to just try to, you know, es escape doing some of that Could garbage be. work? Could be. This kind of European drawing was always so bizarre to me when I first encountered it maybe in the early 90s, like if I'd find something at a flea market. Yeah. And it was not rendered at all the way that I was used to seeing sure. rendering. Sure. And yeah. it used to just kind of like throw me so far off yeah it's it's real drawing you know i feel like the the first stuff i ever saw like that was a uh, used swart uh from uh, volume two number two of raw uh in sixth grade i had a friend who his big sister had that issue and i bartered everything i could i don't quite remember man but i i, I might have gave that dude even a video game like a nintendo tape for uh to steal her sister's that, comic. She, yeah, she was done with it, man. But the juice. Why'd she even were, have that? That's pretty, pretty wild. You should have hung out chick. with her. Yeah, yeah, hip chick for sure. And uh, seeing that that story, it just blew my. It was my favorite piece in, in that book, and and that that clear line approach, you know, where it's cartoony but it's realistic, uh, fantastic. Yeah, comics were so narrow in the Marvel DC Archie realm that like you get into international comics back then, and I'd I'd just be like, I don't know what this is like that, a different art. Yeah, that 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 book had a um. It had like a, it might have had like a Tatsumi piece or a Sujay piece. It had Henry, it's my introduction to Henry Darger. Yeah. Um, it's, it's that like Chris Ware, like Chris Ware, when he was in his like that Bill Watterson, it's a potato. I think he was drawn guy. like straight to ink. Yeah. At that point. Yeah. It just had a fucking mind blowing book. And this is when we pull our swerve and today's video is actually raw volume two, number two. <laughs> All right, back to ex-women. Uh, the one ex-woman who gets a little better position is Storm, because our, our bad guy leader, very interested in her. Maybe, yeah. maybe uh, join his harem. 
Yeah, and you say bad guy, but they're kind of like anti-heroes. Yeah, I guess so. Kind of bad whenever he's putting everybody in bondage, but I suppose, I suppose he's not the original villain. <laughs> also, like the full bleed nature of this stuff, it feels like um, I wonder if Marvel considered publishing this originally as like an, a Euro album, like a little bit bigger. I would doubt it. It is big art. Yeah, yeah, I would doubt it because they just, I mean, they just, why not? You know, like they just didn't do that shit. But uh, this this is a fun spread for sure. Yeah, it's 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 a great once again. If you bought this for Monero drawing women, very happy with the returns. Yeah, and here's our actual uh, pirate queen, not happy with storms <laughs> arrival on the island. Yeah, but you get some sense of um, it's like a weird thruple thing. Yes, it is. Like yeah. like she she's horny for her, and she's just she's she's using her as a toy. She's she's a unicorn to this swinger couple, man. You know, she's dudeless. And they want to to Chinese finger trapper. Always with the outfits too, man. Like always, they Manera dresses these girls up in like maybe five different fly ass mm -hmm. outfits. This is that stuff too, or it's like feels like color forms or something. Also feels like could have been a great GI Joe issue. Absolutely, maybe been. Baroness and uh, Scarlet and Lady J. <laughs> yeah, like the intro. That would have been if, if they could have convinced him to do one more book at Marvel. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, those outfits are hilarious considering they're in the middle of the jungle with a bunch of pirates. Jim Rugg autobio comic right here. Oh, man. <laughs> and the ex-women decide they don't have time to sound the warning. They're just going to have to fight off this invasion themselves. Yeah, and this is where you get that, that kick. That uh, It makes me think about when uh, when Robert Crumb did the Book of Genesis. Mm -hmm. He worked, worked on it for a year, five years or something. And... There was a lot of press within that time. He was always talking about the progress and things. And he was talking about how, like, one of the big challenges, believe it or not, for a guy who was, who's been drawing comics for, you know, 30, 40 years up to that point, he's drawn the human figure. Like, he's, he was used to being able to distort the figure as he wished and, you know, be as cartoony as he wished, but he was trying to play this straight up. And just really drawing the most accurate folds possible in clothing garments and really trying to stick to proper proportions and stuff it was a challenge for him and he actually in so many interviews was calling props to all the mainstream cartoonists who could draw that stuff he sort of bent the knee and was like you know what you guys have a skill i don't have i had to teach myself at age 60 how to draw a draw a figure from imagination and these guys do it you know 20 figures a page yeah, that's wild. I don't remember those interviews, and um, man, now I kind of want to go back. I like, feel it like might that's be in, a the, book. in the studio book. It might be, oh yeah, yeah, some I of that might be that. in there. Um, I feel like that's a book that was such a big deal, like buzz up to its release, and then like I never hear people talk about it. Yeah, I think it did really well for them, but uh, I think that because he played it straight, like the anticipation, like it's something that you could sell easy to the masses because it has so much bluster to go with it. Mm -hmm. Robert Crumb. Bible. What must that look like? And people were really expecting him to go go off. And he plays it reasonably straight, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that was a time, too, when I think all these publishers were trying to figure out how, what's the next Jimmy Corrigan that we sell outside of comics to, like, the, uh, I don't know, New Yorker audiences and people like that. Yeah, and Dennis Kitchen was the guy, you know? like he, and, he, and from sites, it was an illustration job. It, you know, it was had no particular passion. Here's our pirate leader. And we finally see, oh, he has his own mutant powers. Nearly Cyclops. Nearly. 
<laughs> yeah, just make it X-Men. <laughs> let Luminaire draw all the X-Men. These ads for uh, X-Men issue one, I don't remember this at all. Like, I was just completely gone at that point. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, like, this is a book I got afterwards, too. Like, this wasn't one I bought new whenever it came so, out. Totally. We've been hanging for, you know, seven years at this point. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing the history of, like, all the attempts at relaunches and new number ones and different creative teams. So many volumes of it. It's wild stuff. Shouts to, to SmackDown referee, man, Jason Ayers. He's putting together a run of all X books. Like, he, he has almost every X book ever created. It has, like, full runs of, like, all these, like, late period volumes and shit. Wow. Talk about needing a storage space. He's got, he, yeah, he, he showed the stacks, man. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of forgotten history in that in those couple decades, like under Quesada. Yeah. There, there was a lot of uh, swings and misses, and I applaud that. You know, I mean, that's how you, you find some try. good stuff. You know, that's what Jeanette Kahn said when she hooked up uh, Miller with Ronan. Is like, if you don't have some failures, that means you're not innovating. That it's means why you're not you have books like pushing. this. You know, it's why you have Corbin doing some Marvel work late in his career. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a good thing, but it does result in, you know, for, for everything that does stick to the wall, a lot of stuff is bouncing off and being like, mm, and a lot of it is, trying. yeah, a lot of it is, you know, shame on the audience, man, that, that just wants that corporate sameness and, and won't, won't push, won't stretch it at all. So the, the big story in the, I think is that they're trying to, the, the bad villain is trying to launch a war using psychics to make soldiers fight each other between like india and china we're still on the story yeah uh he's like, joined up because he's gonna help now he's part of the the a team when you see that kind of like the, the the weight of that figure yeah that you know that screams reference like you're looking at some some stuff man so you could always kind of tell the the ones that he's kind of drawn on his own and the ones where he he has some visual help and there's absolutely nothing wrong with it it's just it's just noticeable and this is a later period of uh, Minera. Uh, he's, you know, he's older at this point, man. And you could, you could sort of, it's, it's more Probably noticeable. Early sixties at this point. Yeah, it's more noticeable here than it is in a lot of the earlier works. So it's a, there's a, like less of an elegance, and and you find that to be the case whenever some singular kind of creator comes into a work for hire space, they're not tossing their hundred mile hour fastballs for for a work for hire. They they just ain't. I also wonder, you know, I mentioned earlier, like, if this is a, a loose plot that Monero's drawing, but when I look at a page like this, it makes me think, like, how tight is the script? Because you're packing these pages. Yeah. And I don't know if you do that if you're really, you know, kind of working from a loose plot, because, like, there's so much drawing that's smashed and crammed into these pages. Yeah, totally. And I think that can contribute to all sorts of stuff, stiff figures, you know, maybe shortcut here or there because it's just, and just it's dense. And just not being engaged with the material, man. Like uh, our friends, Japan, Peach and Yo, Peach and uh, Takashi Okazaki, like, they didn't really have any connection with Marvel stuff. You know, that's why they let her just do do her own thing. Go ahead, design all your own characters and, and, and have at it. Takashi, design all your own characters, have at it. Because it's like, they really don't have much knowledge of it, and they don't have any engagement with the material, so just make it your own. I wish this was stood out more. Yeah, it's, Stuart will do that, man. He'll... he'll I always it, think... It's um, that period, too, where it's just muddy color. We looked at a few books this week where I think the coloring is going to be something that, that I criticize, and I always think, like, put this in Photoshop and desaturate it and see if it's not all, like... Just a, a flat, you know, sixty percent gray. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, like gray. I need some values there. That's, I mean, that's a tip for people at home that are color making comics and coloring them is like, look at them in, in grayscale and see like how that value works. Mm -hmm. So the bad guy, they finally get 
to rescue their friend. Uh, unfortunately, that means rescuing uh, Emma, <laughs> Emma Frost as well, which nobody loves that idea, but what are you going to do? And our supervillain does manage to uh, make it to the escape pod. <laughs> but not before her shirt gets ripped open. <laughs> of course. And also look at this ridiculous like cross-section for your escape. <laughs> it's comics, baby. It sure is. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> yeah, rip, rip the shirt open. I feel like the Ramita Raiders probably had to do some amending uh, on some of this line art. I wonder, too, like, is this in the Claremont script? <laughs> her shirt's been, been torn asunder. <laughs> <laughs> it's Minera, baby. This feels like the end of that... Um, Quentin Tarantino uh, death proof yeah, where yeah, it's yeah. like you just get the bad guy in the middle of all the good guys and they can take turns like <laughs> taking their shots and they freeze her this is Storm doing some sort of freezing with that with that tornado I mean she's dead right Storm <laughs> killed her I know and it's all like nothing but they say in the captions that you know they put her in jail but like you have the white queen like that's pieces of the lady like and her heart yeah but she, I mean, they kick her titties off. <laughs> like that's her titties get kicked off her body while she's uh, fully immobile. I'm calling this a brutal murder. Absolutely, man. And that's why it's has to. Be, it's like in the fucking because like Marvel's so corny, right? Uh, so somewhere in the captions, they have to talk about like you know they dropped her off in the hoose cow, and it's like so she's tittyless. You yeah. know she's got chunks taken out of her, and she's frozen solid. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, our pirate, our pirate queen, doesn't believe in buttons. She got she took some fashion uh, advice from from the villainess, and then this is like your ten thousand dollar. Like imagine like those fucking guys, you know, those neckbeard type fellas at the comic conventions who save up money to get Adam Hughes to draw, you know, somebody right. opening up their puss. Like some fucking dude is spanking off to this right now who had thirty thousand dollars to spend on this piece of original art. Go. And that's the end. And look, his signature's even cropped off. Yeah. Which, again, makes me wonder, like, on the bleeding choice, you know, like how right. this stuff is printed. Yeah. It does make me curious because it is, you know, like things are close on a lot of these pages, close to the edges. Yeah. Um, you know, you wonder, like, in today's world now, would this have been, like, the, the grand design size book? Yeah. Or something, oversized, you know, like, it's very detailed art. So afterward by Joe Quesada really just blowing smoke Manera's way and rightfully so talking about how great he is and how happy he is to have him show up here and, and draw this stuff. And then they say these are his pencils. And I think that is completely wrong because you can see very light pencil lines in a couple of these spots. So I think clearly that's inked. I don't know why they say it's a bonus peek at Manera's no, pencils. You know, I, I think it is pencil and, and uh, it's like, what do you think it's not inked the book? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like it, but it's sketch underdrawing. Because I, I, there's definite gray there. Yeah, like I think those are pencils, but the, like what you're seeing is just, you know, his his underdrawing stuff. It might not be inked. Because I mean, Je Jeff Darrow, you could you seen Jeff Darrow's pencils? Yeah, I mean, this is not the best, but you there, just there's count, your count these little ticks, man. Comparison, and look, they're all there. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's just penciled. Hmm. We'll agree to disagree on that one, but nevertheless, it's cool to see some of his line art without anything on top of it. And there's your share, at least a fuller page because you get the full signature on that one, so you can see kind of where the prop is for that last share page. Share us links uh, on Comic Art Fans to show uh, the, the penciled finished pages. 
Yeah, see, they're cropping like right on her forehead. It'd be like right there. So that surprises me that they would crop his real, art on every page. Real dumb. Real dumb. Can't imagine he liked that. I can't imagine he looked at the book. <laughs> you don't think so? No. <laughs> Oh, man. And then previews of whatever other thing they were trying to launch. There was an X-Woman TPB uh, that has all of this material, and then it has, like, a bunch of kind of job work and stuff. And it's such a fascinating period uh, of, of time because uh, it was a time where there was, like, the Pat Lee Dreamwave, like, cel-shaded anime-looking mm -hmm. style, and there's, like, there's a story that's, like, told that way. Um, Is it Pat Lee? It isn't. I always think about looking at Dark Minds because I feel like that's one of those, um, I don't know, comics dark period that felt like a book that had a little bit of cult around it. Yeah. And I'm so out of it in terms of like, I didn't follow comics rapidly at that point. So it would just be like, what's, what bubbled up? What made enough noise that I heard about it? Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I mean, we were way off of this stuff. Like if we were going to grab like a Marvel or a DC thing, it was like, we were all going to the comic shop at the same time, so if you had some guilty pleasure, you had to go in on a Tuesday. You couldn't let the, you, 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 you couldn't let the buds, you couldn't let the buds see by in the, the softcore porn. <laughs> we all wanted this, but none of us had the nerve to buy it. I feel like you would grab the Monero for sure. It's just like yeah. like uh, market saturation. Like you just didn't even see it on the fucking like. Look at that cover. Imagine that you know in Phantom of the Attic on the wall with all the rest of the stuff. Like you just get lost. Yeah, and this is, uh, I said 2010, so Quesada had been there, I think, since, like, early 2000s. Yeah. You know, it wasn't like this was one of his first moves or anything, but that's just a blur in my mind. Like, that whole history of, like, the 2000s of, say, Marvel and DC, you know, they relaunch, both companies relaunch a bunch. They both sort of stunt different things. Yeah. And in my mind, it all happens, like, that's all recent history, but, I mean, it's 23 years now, so... It's crazy how it works, man. We've been hanging out for about 20 years. Sean Howe needs to do, like, the uh, the updated Untold Story of Marvel and, and update me on some of this uh, 21st century movements. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you need the benefits of decades of hindsight so that people... I'll tell you what would be really interesting is to go through and make a list of, say, like, the 10 most interesting art books that were produced under Quesada's regime. Yeah. Because there were some really outstanding stuff, you know, for all our joking around about it, like... There's some great art that comes out of that time period, but finding it, and then also sometimes that great art would be butchered under bad color or, you know, a variety of reasons why that stuff may not be widely available. But there's stuff that was done that just, like, Guy Davis did that Fantastic Four story that's been out of print for 20 years. Right. You know, so some of this stuff that might be noteworthy, it's just not in the front of any of our minds because, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Right. But there are some really interesting art jobs and uh, maybe if I get ambitious, I'll start making lists as I'm going through looking for books for kayfabe. Whenever I see anything that seems uh, pretty interesting art wise, maybe I'll put together a list because I do think there's some stuff that Quesada, as he steps away from Marvel now, it'll be interesting to see people reflect on his time period. Probably the longest tenured uh, editor in chief. Yeah, that's true. So interesting book. Glad to see Monera, you know, it's it's one of those things. Maybe it's not his best work, but it's been too long that we haven't had him on the channel. You know, I mean, a, this is one of those master guys. It's a Monera that we can show off on the channel. Fair enough. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Good to go, Jimmy. I am. It's the kayfabers in the chat room who are Patreon uh, Patreon uh, patrons to us who got to see this video first. Uh, if you want to see these videos before anybody else, mitigate the kayfabe effect, which is going to happen with this video. Like. I didn't know this book existed. A lot of people in the audience didn't know, and they're Monero fans. They just bought all the copies off of uh, eBay because they are in the chat room with us in real time as we are streaming this. 
hit up our pa Patreon in the description uh, below this video. Uh, w comics are our lifeblood, man. We make comics. Uh, I have Red Room, Trigger Warnings, Red Room, Anti-Social Network on the stands at this very moment. Uh, this is the bibliography of all of our stuff. Support our comics, and uh, we can keep this thing going. Jimmy, what do you have going on? Hulk Grand Design. It is coming out in February. February 22nd should be in stores. Um, Pre-ordered if you haven't already, because that is going to be a limited number of books, and it may be never that it's reprinted, but uh, it could be hard to get. So pre-order that one if you want it. Street Angel, Deadly Squirrel Alive, Plain Jane's both available as well. And you can join me on my own Patreon at patreon.com slash jimrug, where you can download some of my out-of-print zines and mini-comics. Tell the people what else we have out there, though, man. Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, merchandise, uh, you know, mugs, fanny packs, hats, all kinds of good stuff at our spread shop. That is also linked below this video. Another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Jimmy, given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Read more comics.